entire season. Probably a little bit concerning for the Mariners. Well, and the Yoshida double that one hopped and went into the crowd. That would have been a home run in roughly 20 ballparks in baseball. Hey, his best reliever in the league. <laughs> his FIP for those of the FIP crowd is one six seven, and the <laughs> X FIP is one nine five. With and, he, and he's striking out one of every two guys that walks to the plate, roughly. And you know, Babip is a funny thing. It's a, you know, in Matt 2004, Brad Lidge uh, accumulated the highest raw number of strikeouts uh, for a relief pitcher since 1990. Uh, so roughly since the the evolution of of you know short relievers. Welcome to Roughly a Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host, Phil Phil Smeraldo. His name is tripping me up. He's Phil Helmuth on uh, on on this. Do you, do you want to lead? Do you know by, who uh, that is? Yes, the poker yeah. player. Do you want to lead with some words for Doyle Brunson? I okay. So when I was a kid, man, every summer it was two things on TV that were must watch. Do you know what those two things were? Around the Horn and World Series of okay, Poker. Okay, so you got one of them: World Series of Poker. The Little League World Series was absolutely <laughs> electric back in the day. I mean, like, some of those kids, remember, what? like, Danny Almonte, the kid who got in the scandal because he was actually, like, 15 and he was playing as, like, a 13-year-old? Maybe that's why I love Jerickson Profar so much, is I saw him as a kid on Curacao, and he was amazing, and it was just awesome to see him actually become yeah, a Yeah, I know. Some of those kids actually end up making it. Like, there was who, I, I, God, there was a guy who every time he would come to bat, his little trivia thing was, he played in the Little League World Series, too. Yeah, Veritek and Sheffield, I think, are the, maybe the two best players, at least that come to mind, yeah. that, that played in the, in the Little League World Series. Um, yeah, well, first of all, thanks everybody for listening. The, the rough lease that you heard at the top of this were both from Jerry DePoto, both from his latest episode of the wheelhouse. So, uh, we back baby that yes. we're getting double, double Jerry bombs on a wheelhouse. That's what we needed to come out of that like little rough streak. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, we're currently right back yeah. in it. So that's, that's great. Uh, but Hey, timing is everything with this podcast. And right now we are in the midst of the Mariners being down four, nothing to the Red Sox after Luis Castillo got shelled. In game two at Fenway, but uh, we'll keep you updated as we one 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 of those runs was unearned. Obviously, it was the Colton Wong error, which I'm sure Twitter Twitter is reacting very reasonably to. I didn't even see it, but I saw a tweet that just said "hell of a start from Colton Wong," and I knew exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> I I knew it wasn't positive. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you listened to us last week, you know now that uh, Phil and I are statisticians. We have been booked for the Sloan Conference next yes. year for our statistical um, uh, uncoverings, in which we developed a, a statistic known as K-pop, which uh, puts together strikeout rate and pop-up rate because um, it's just an effective way to look at an aptitude from a hitter and effectiveness yeah. from, a, from a pitcher. Uh, we can call it like the least unproductive pop. outs, essentially. Yeah. Yes. There we go. So I did some digging and just note that all of these numbers are through Sunday's games and I don't have the ability to keep them updated as of yet. My tech skills aren't uh, aren't quite there yet. We need a lawyer and a technical intern. But through Sunday, I looked at the, the pitchers and hitters in Major League Baseball uh, who are the K-pop leaders. So it's a little behind, but um, you'll understand the reason for it. So let's start with the pitchers. These are uh, 25 or more batters faced pitchers in all of baseball who do you think leads baseball in k-pop so i'm right? gonna go with somebody who probably strikes out a lot of people just because i think that's the more common of the two of yes. the two um outcomes so like and and more and more controllable yes although i would go i would push back on that a little bit it looks like we, the whole reason we started this uh analysis 
because of Bryce Miller, who throws that high spin fastball and guys can't square true. it. Right. So, but yeah, let's start with, um, let's start with somebody who strikes out a lot of people. So it's going to be a reliever is my guess. You're you okay. correct. Um, who's just like an, a high octane reliever. Like, I will I will give you a hint that he has ties to the Mariners, but never played for the Mariners or the Mariners organization. Okay, so never in the Mariners organization either, but he has ties to the Mariners. Oh wow. Oh familial ties. Oh familial ties. Is it Alex mm-hmm. Diaz? Is it Edwin's brother? Bingo! Wow. Alexis Diaz. Well done uh, with two hints, but still, I think that's yeah. pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, Alexis Diaz, uh, brother of Edwin Diaz, younger brother, is baseball's leader with a 64.3% K-pop, meaning that two-thirds of the time you're up against Alexis Diaz, he is going to make you do something that can't do any damage, which is pretty damn cool. Wow. So do you know, I don't know if you know, but do you know what percentage of that is pop-ups and what percentage is strikeouts? I knew you'd ask this. Uh and I'm going to pull it up. K-pop pitchers, Excel, document, and I am stalling. 50% strikeout rate, 14%. 14? Uh, but a 14% pop-up rate is huge. That's massive. Yes. Uh, 14% pop-up rate just on its own, Alexis Diaz, would be the 30th highest in in pop-up okay. rate among pitchers wow okay yep. so somebody's getting there's 29 guys getting even more pop-ups than that that's pretty impressive let's uh let's go through the mariners okay. you uh, don't worry about or i mean you could say them okay. in order but just worry about getting the top five mariners pitchers in k-pop okay rate. well i'm gonna cheat a little bit because i know you already have given me one who i wouldn't have gotten trevor okay. got trevor got is number Five, okay. and he's sixtieth in baseball with with uh, his K-pop. Okay, rate. wow. So he's he is he is a good K-popper, um, but there's four yep. even better on the Mariners. So mm-hmm. my first inclination is to go with guys who have high strikeout rates. So like I'm going with Matt Brash. Matt Brash is number three, okay. and this is uh, I tease you, Phil, that I have a crazy K-pop uh, statistical uncovering. How many pop-ups do you think Matt Brash has produced this year? Mm, six. Zero pop-ups for Matt Brash, which has part to do of his his struggles is that he can't get anybody to pop up. He is striking out 42% of the the batter's face. This is, again, before the blow-up that he had. When was that? I don't even know. Um, But, yeah, 42% strikeout rate and 0% pop-up I wonder what it is about his stuff that lends it to not being popped up. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously I the slider, ask, like, the yeah. slider is never going to get popped up, right? Because that's a pitch that moves down. Because you can't get yeah. under it. But like his fastball is yeah. high spin. He has a high spin four seamer. So you think you get one? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so yeah, more Matt Brash needs some more pop ups. You know who's not going to be on this? You know who's not going to be on this list is Luis Castillo. As my guess, he is. He is on. He the is list? number six. He's he's he's. Number six behind Trevor Gott. Uh, he's two spots down in, in MLB's K-pop rankings okay. Um, okay. behind Trevor Gott. So you've got you've got Brash, you've got Gott. Three three more to go. Thank you for compiling this, by the way. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, okay. George Kirby. Kirby is not Oh, there. really? No. Okay, that's interesting. Because I'm just trying to think of guys who have good strikeout stuff and a, and a high spin four-seamer. That's my little methodology right now. 
Yep. Kirby is number 90 in baseball ahead of Penn Murphy, who is number 90. You know who's definitely not on the list is Justin Topa. Everything's a ground ball. Topa is not on this. Nope. Okay. Um, Let's say... Okay, can give me a hint. How many more starters do I have and how many more relievers? So of the, the remaining three, the, two of them are starters. Okay, Gilbert's one of them. Logan Gilbert is number four on the list, number 42 in baseball with his K-pop rating. Okay. So now I two, you, I, you said I want two relievers now. What, once, once, one oh, starter, one, starter, one, reliever. one reliever. Okay. Hmm. Who would the reliever be? I have a good idea, obviously. I was saving Bryce Miller for last because he's definitely on there. Who keeps a fastball high better than just about anybody? Oh, Seawald. Seawald uh, is Major League Baseball's 15th highest in K-pop and the Mariners so leader. So that is the formula, right? Like getting pop-ups, you have to have a high spin four-seamer at the top of the zone. Uh, yeah. yeah, it seems like that's um, that's the recipe right there. And Miller, Bryce Miller is the other one, right? Bryce Miller is the Mariners' second highest in K-pop, number 29 overall in baseball. See, but Okay, so here is why K-pop, to me, this just illustrated a great point to me. This is why K-pop is so valuable. When you think of these guys, you wouldn't think of Seawald as like, oh my God, this guy strikes out everyone. This guy just doesn't give anyone any hope. But that's that's a fool, fool, fooling you a little bit because he produces this level of weak contact on these pop-ups he's actually one of the most effective guys there is and adding the pop-up metric to the strikeout metric i think is actually and i know we joke around oh we're gonna we're gonna um patent or copyright this but i think this is actually a very very telling way to think about a pitcher's dominance you know we always talk about their strikeouts as their dominance but pop-ups are just as dominant of an outcome as a strikeout maybe it's a little less controllable but it's still a dominant outcome. 47.8% total K-pop for, for Paul Seawald, which basically equivalent to roughly half of the time he's mm-hmm. up there, he's going to get an unproductive out. And that means that the other half, you know, is, is taking care. That's the other half that you have to figure out, but you got half of the game figured out because you know, that's grounders and fly balls and you know, it, you're, you're yeah. safe there. So Paul Seawald has a good formula going. And it's actually at some point, I think, we reached this point with players where they're so good that it's not even worth talking about yeah. them anymore. I think it's time to maybe have a down the road. If Seawald continues to be this good of like, we have uncovered a guy out of nowhere who has been one of baseball's most dominant relievers for three. Yeah, it, seasons. It, it is. That quite is incredible. so and rare. You know what the funny, I mean, everyone will probably always remember this. He was so overlooked when he got up brought up because he got brought up with uh, <laughs> yeah. uh logan gilbert logan and, and, and Kelly. jared kelnick and it's just like wow of those three he might have been well now with time obviously it looks like kelnick and gilbert are going to definitely outpace him in career war but for a while there it was like my god this guy is going to out he's gonna outclass <laughs> both of them in career war yeah, Paul Seawald yeah. rocks. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll just fly through hitters. Won't make you guess through this. So this is among batters who have more than 50 at-bats at, at in, in Major League Baseball. Leading baseball, another guy with Mariners ties, Mike Zanino, 59.8% K-pop rate, uh, 44 and 15.8 are the God, that's there. horrible. The Mariners that never- is so bad. <laughs> 60% of the time, there is a 0% chance he's getting on base. Which basically means you have 40% of your at-bats to work, piece together some like decent... So- Let's do the oh, math on that really. That's, Let's that's do the hard. math on that really quick. So, a ba- a good batted ball has generally usually like a uh, x x um 
an XBA, an X batting average, an expected batting average on it, like a pretty well-struck ball, about 450, right? 500, right? So that means if every single one of his non-pop-out strikeouts was like a a very well-struck ball, his batting average would be like 200. (laughs) Best case case scenario. Exactly. he's, He's starting baseball like with a hand tied yeah. behind his back. And that's, that's what that, 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 that stat tells you. Um, Cal Raleigh is made the Mariners leader there. Number one overall or number one for the Mariners, number 31 overall, followed by the, the, the slide eight, the, you probably never watched SpongeBob or two culture, oh, for that, but there's the, the hat. Do you remember the hash? The hash slinging slasher, slasher? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what Teoscar Hernandez <laughs> is when sliders come on. He's <laughs> just slinging hash out there. He's got nothing. Uh, Tay Oscar's number two, Julio number three, Jerry Bonds number That's four. That's surprising. That Colton is surprising Wong. that Jerry Bonds is up there that high. Colton Wong number five. Now I will say that the the first the top five Mariners populate the uh, go in the top sixty in baseball among pitchers, among hitters the top five Mariners in K-pop or I guess I should say bottom five go up to the number one forty. So we're actually doing so pretty the Mariners good in are that much metric. correct. The Mariners are much better it seems as a whole at in. Uh, the preventing K-pop as hitters than they are creating it as as uh, as pitchers. Do you want to guess who the the Mariners' last place or the the Mariners' best least K-popper? The least is? K-popper. I'm guessing. Uh, I want to say JP, but I've seen anecdotally he he does some pop ups. Um, mm-hmm. Who's just like a good hitter? Ty France, maybe no. It, it's you. you it, it is Ty, Ty France? France. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, twenty two percent. Yeah, because so, when's the last time you saw him pop a ball up? It's rare. It's rare. No, it's it's just it's just double yeah, plays in two yeah. moments. That's all. His swing path doesn't <laughs> really time. pop balls up. You know, it's more like the downward no. slope. Correct. Correct. All right. So that's that's K-pop. We might uh, do another check in. I love I love this check in of... that we're gonna do on K-pop. It's very valuable. I'm... I want to get good enough to make this a live thing where the auto populates, but I have to like download things from uh, Savant and then get it that way. So it's going to take some, some technical know-how that I don't possess currently, but oh, this, uh, could we'll be our, this could be our ticket to the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, I do have some smart friends, so I'll, I'll see if I can enlist them on that. Um, news and notes. The Mariners lost a rubber match against Texas, which would have been a, a pivotal game to yes. win that series. So they ended up losing that series. Won two of three against Detroit. Looked like they were well on their way to sweeping Detroit until a complete meltdown by the bullpen. And they dusted Boston yesterday in game one. But as we said earlier, they are uh, up against it in game two, down 4 nothing currently. So any thoughts on, on the week that was in baseball? Um, it was definitely better. Uh, I think you'd probably agree with that assessment, right? So mm-hmm. we yeah. did we talk about the Astros series? We took two out of three from the Astros as well since our last podcast, or was that in our last cast? I think that was – they were just about to – I forget, actually. I feel like we talked about them winning the Astros. Yeah, I think Astros we did series. too. Yeah, and then we lost the rubber match against Texas – yeah. So, I mean, the, the offense has had its moments. Uh, there was nine runs in the first game against Detroit, five runs in the second game against Detroit, 10 runs yesterday against Boston. Those are those are good, good, good uh, offensive numbers, obviously. Um, but I don't know. What what are your feelings? And then I, I guess I could go. I feel like the bones are there we're starting to see the whole you know ship made out of two run homers thing and that was that happened last night with gino and cal and 
you know, that I think that's, we've said this so many times of just like, we have to make peace with that being the best version of this offense is getting guys on base and, and mashing. And that's, that's fine. As long as if they're doing that, then that's uh that's, that's a formula that scores runs, which is not. So what they have coming before. into so, today uh, over the last week, Teoscar went nine for his last 19. What are your, which yeah, doesn't, it doesn't feel it like doesn't that. Sound does it? Right. Um, no, not at what all. are your feelings about where he's at? I remember before the year, that was one of my predictions is that Teoscar Hernandez was going to leave us wanting more. And I didn't know how we would end up at that conclusion. It was just kind of a gut feeling. And here we are. Teoscar Hernandez is both like, he's going to end up with a fine stat line by the end of the year, but in the weirdest Yeah, like that nine for 19 just felt very unsatisfying. Like I don't. Yeah. Like every other game you see that he's just like uh, Teoscar Hernandez, 16 hit streak. How? I don't remember any of that. What am I? (laughs) No. <laughs> um, Ty France is definitely heating up. I think he's, uh, yes. he's still doing the thing where he's chasing balls that he should not be chasing. And that, and I texted you about this on the side the other day. The problem with him chasing is it's not like when Julio chases where he swings and misses, right? Ty will just put really weak, weak <laughs> it's so Ty true. will put yeah. really weak contact on the ball, put it in play and convert it into an out. Whereas Julio generally converts it just into a strike, right? Which is not the end of the world. Yeah. Ty will get jammed up or go chasing and he'll he has enough bat skill to just put it in play, but it ends up being a really weak out. And uh, something we just talked about expected batting average, something with a really low expected batting average. So I, mm-hmm. he's still, I mean, obviously when he hits the ball, well, it's always on a line and he's always, you know, uh, you know, we all know what a good Ty France swing looks like at this point. Um, we've seen more of those in the recent past, uh, but there's still a little bit too much going out when Ty is at his best. He's zoning in on those pitches that he can do damage with and he swings and hits them. I know it sounds kind of trite to almost say like, yeah, well, he's not chasing and he's hitting balls hard, but like his swing when he swings at balls in the zone is generally going to be a positive outcome. Um, so we've seen that. We've seen that. And then uh, Suarez, we saw a little bit of the power emerge yesterday, which we've all been kind of wondering where that's been. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come. So up and down the lineup, there are some key developments. Cal Raleigh bumped his season WRC plus up last night from 99 to 116 just with the just with his game yesterday so he's you know he's doing cal raleigh that's about where i think a good comfort zone is for cal is between 115 125 wrc plus i think that's a very successful cal season so if he just kind of follows this course i think he's just fine there so there's there's signs of and then obviously jerry bonds is is still he's still doing his thing um we really haven't seen a, a becoming a slightly more terrestrial yes he though, is from but we haven't we seen saw, we haven't seen that expected. massive slump. You know what I mean? The one that's like, yes. oh god, that was all smoke and mirrors. Like we haven't seen we have yes. not seen that <laughs> level of, of slump, which is really encouraging two months into the season. Um yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 I think that well, well this is a good segue into our first big discussion point here of just like basically how good is this team and the the the, the framework of this is the Mariners are the blank ST or TH best team in baseball. How do you feel about this team right now? And it's a little weird to say, given that, you know, if things go as they're trending right now, they're about to be 21 and 21 through 42 games. But there are markers here that tell you that this is yeah, a better team yeah. than that. So wh- wh- what's the number? Wh- wh- where do you feel confident with uh, with this team's place? 10 in to baseball? 12 in that range. Um, they're okay. big. They're I know we always used to laugh at Pythagoras because he was a nerd and he couldn't predict our our uh, our. He never got any. any yeah, chicks. but. 
you know, now we're now we're relying on him because we actually have a very good Pythagorean record. We're technically yes. supposed to be like I think six games above five hundred right now. I think it's I think seven. it's seven, which would put us at something like the best, the sixth best. Yeah, team so in baseball. I I, if, I don't if, uh, I don't if. If if the triangle nerd <laughs> was correct about baseball, then we would be the sixth. Best I don't want to like say, oh, see, that's our Pythagorean record is the sixth best in baseball, so we're the sixth best team. So I'm going to hedge it a little bit because I do think there are concerning things. The pitching has been so otherworldly phenomenal that you cannot feel good about going lower than twelfth, just because our pitching has been by far in every metric the best in baseball. So you can't really say this team is any worse than twelfth best. I think that. 10 to 12 you, range let, feels good. Let, let me give you one for the pitching. This was, uh, I think, before... Because fan, Fangraphs, I, I gotta love Fangraphs, but they're they're pretty slow on updating. It, it like, takes a full day, and so when I do my research for the podcast, it's already, it's, yeah. not, it's already outdated by the time we talk about it. But I think before Kirby's start yesterday, the Mariners were leading baseball as a pitching staff with 8.6 mm-hmm. F4. And then the next closest is Minnesota with 6.7. Yeah, so it's not even close. And now that's a one... That's yeah. a one point nine, basically two win difference, which is the same distance between number two Minnesota and number eight. So the Mariners are by far and away the best pitching staff in baseball. And as we've said, this is without Robbie Ray, which is kind of like you don't really have to say that because you're not getting Robbie Ray back this year. But it's definitely without mm-hmm. Andres Munoz. And for this bullpen to perform even as as eighty percent as well as it has without him, um, and basically everyone playing in a role that they're not going to play soon. You saw Matt Brash come in and have to deal with the chaos that was on the base pass from what Gabe Spire did bump all those guys down one notch or one, one level. And you have what this bullpen should be yes. here shortly when, when Andres yeah. comes back. So um, it, the, the, the pitching is great. Now it's going to be better. Uh, the, the, the hitting the Mariners are 21st in baseball and WRC plus last year, they were like a top 10 team there, but they have been 13th since yeah. May 1st. I know that's a very small sample, but things have been trending upwards, as you said. So where um, would you put them? I, so, I put them 10, 11, 12 in that range. Here's how I thought about this. How many teams do you know for sure in baseball are better than okay, the Mariners? So teams I know for sure are better. They, they would, they would, they would win in Tampa a seven Bay. game series. Um, I don't want to say the Texas Rangers, but like, as things stand right now, they're probably a little better than us, right? (laughs) Teoscar Hernandez tripled (laughs) to score two runs. Uh, yes, he sure did. See, it's Um, just like, I I don't ever see it. I I watch all these (laughs) Mariners games. I feel like he knows when I'm watching and he's like, this is the, that where I'm going (laughs) to chase the slider low and away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you always see the ones where he does chase the slider. Uh, so, so Tampa for sure. I'm with you there. I think, I think Atlanta, okay. so um, Tampa, you know, just, Atlanta, uh, I'll, I'll rattle them off really quick. Tampa, Atlanta. These are for sure. Tampa, Atlanta, um, Toronto, I think is, yeah, I do think, think Toronto? Toronto is like a for sure better than us. Um, San Diego, I think is for sure better than us. Um, okay. That's kind of it though. Like for sure. You could make arguments either way. You know? And uh, a guy who, <laughs> We were texting about before the show, not being it. Taylor Tramiel just homered. No, he did not. Oh my! He sure did. All right. Well, now I'm going to bump us up to the third best team in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Tampa, Tampa, Atlanta, San Diego, and the Yankees and the Dodgers. I think maybe you all have have claims to that. Uh, Toronto also came to mind. So I mean, there's like six or seven teams that I know for sure. The Mariners would would struggle to win in a in a seven game series when those teams are fully actualized, and I think that's probably how I want to think about this, but also give myself some some leeway. So I think like 
ninth or tenth is is about yeah. Right but to, to be clear, there are four or five teams that are definitely better than the Mariners. But then there's a lump of about six to seven teams yeah. that everyone's kind of in that same pole position. You know what I mean? You could throw the Angels mm-hmm. in there. You can throw the Orioles in there. You can throw even the Red Sox in there. You could throw the Twins in there. You could Cleveland. You know, they're yeah. Bas- basically, any any AL Central team that or. <laughs> Any non or only the Twins, no other AL Central team, and then any AL West team that's not yeah. the A's, and all yeah. the NL East. There's, like that's it's that's kind of a works. blob. There's a clear we're in the blob. Like we're not terrible by any means. We're definitely not a bad team, but we're 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 in the blob. We are in the blob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's I've came out in the same place here that the Mariners are probably a top ten team that could be something a lot scarier and better once Dylan Moore and a real bat who are added via the trade deadline yes. uh, come back. So we talked about the uh, the Atlanta Braves, who are a very scary team, who the Mariners will play after this Red Sox series, and uh, the 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 Braves are something akin to the Mariners in terms of of uh, producing hitters, right? So the Mariners do yes. not produce hitters from from their own. Um, I, that's yes, that's not entirely true, but they're yeah, not it's as good general, at, at it as they true. are at producing yeah, pitchers. Generally true. Right, but from from the, the the Braves organization, they have produced uh, Dansby Swanson now with the Cubs, uh, but also Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, who are all you know just tremendous mm-hmm. players. Which you know that goes parallel to Logan Gilbert, uh, Bryce Miller, oh, George Kirby, Andres yeah. Munoz, etc. Yep. So the Mariners are the control the zone team. That's that's the the kind of ethos of the organization. As pitchers, you want to be staying in the strike zone. As as hitters, you want to be um, swinging at the pitches that you should be swinging at and leaving the other ones alone. So that's their 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 ethos. So from your vantage point, I couldn't really find a whole lot. Like what what do the Braves do as an organization philosophically to to produce? As yeah, well you know, as they I do? saw this on the show notes, and I actually. My response to this is, well, could you tell me what the Mariners do to get these guys off the pitching pile? Justin Topa, uh, uh, Trevor Gott, um, uh, Gabe Spire, like those guys were all very freely available this offseason. Like what did what's the I, it seems like the good teams all have some secret sauce. We saw this with the Astros for a long time where it was like, who the hell is um, uh, who is the guy who came out of nowhere? Yeah, Jose well, Jose Altuve. But then remember when Kyle Tucker was like bad and we're like, oh, yes, this guy busted, yeah. right? Like he sucks. And no, he didn't. Like, what is that secret sauce of player development? Ben Lindbergh, if you if anyone who's listening to this um, yep. reads uh, or listens to Effectively Wild, he wrote a very good book that I recommend called The MVP Machine. And it's all about player development. And I think he used the Astros in a lot of these examples. Um regarding how you take a guy who might be a fourth rounder, let's say, I know I'm switching examples now, but let's say a Bryce Miller, who was a fourth rounder, you know, anyone could have had him three times over. How do you take a guy like that? What specific skills are you looking for that you think, okay, these are the skills that I can't teach, but then how do I take this guy and take these such unique skills, like this huge fastball that he has and hone him into a complete pitcher? Because if you can hone him into a complete pitcher, plus keep that really unique skill there, then you're looking at a frontline starter. So the Braves obviously have some sort of secret sauce. Like Austin Riley has, I think he's struggling a little bit this year, but like, you know, almost an MVP within the MVP consideration. Michael Harris Jr., this uh, is. A- yeah, yeah, I forgot uh, to mention. Even, him. you know, <laughs> they have yeah. more coming through the pipeline. Vaughn Grisham. And this is very 
atypical. This is a team that is always drafting at the bottom of the first round. Obviously, they're and, and drafting, drafting pitchers. pitchers. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. So, they, they spent, I think their first five picks last year were so all this is pitchers. very atypical. Something's going on with Atlanta. They have found some level of secret sauce for developing hitters that the Mariners have obviously found in targeting relievers and in developing starting pitching. Uh, we'll get to the farm in a little bit, but obviously there's some great things happening on the Mariners farm with starting pitching. So uh, to answer your question, I really don't know if I knew I'd probably be working for uh, <laughs> an organization, but there is some level where we have created a large enough sample at this point where you cannot say, oh, that's kind of a fluke. I, I doubt the Braves will be able to repeat that. The Braves have proven that they can replicate this development process with hitting. Yeah, I was looking for like the the marketing ethos thing that the Mariners have with with control the zone. Like, does that pop up in in anything? And I, you know, didn't have the time or energy to dig deep into uh, Atlanta Braves culture and become a Braves yeah. on top of what I am for the Mariners. But, but it is impressive. Um, I could find a couple of things. It is definitely impressive, and it's interesting because obviously that's where the you know it's like shit. If the Mariners can do what the Braves are doing on top yeah. of what they're doing, they're unbeatable. Pitchers, like, yeah. oh, that's a yeah. juggernaut. Yeah two things that I could point to in the, the speculation department. One thing I think is continuity. The uh, Kevin Seitzer is the, the Atlanta Braves co uh, hitting coach. He has been the hitting coach since okay. 2014, which I believe when in 2014, Lloyd McClendon may have been the Mariners. Yeah. Manager, like, right. So that's like uh, one step. That's like one or two years away from Eric, the Eric wedge days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for, for a hitting coach who is, you think about it right now, like the, the Mariners hitting coach is perpetually yes. on the chopping block. It has been the, that way for basically my entire life because that's the easiest, uh, you know, kind of fire this um, guy yeah. person yeah. to fall on the yeah. sword. Yeah. Exactly. And so they've, they've been able to hold on to him and uh, keep continuity with their hitting who, system. Who is it top now? To bottom is it, for, for is it Jared Hart now? It seems like, yeah, it seems like it's, it, they don't actually have a hitting coach. It seems like Jared DeHart is their hitting <laughs> analytics guy, but like, there's no guy like, remember they used to have Tim Laker before that. It was Edgar Martinez. Yeah. It was Paul yeah, Walter yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. It's Jared DeHart and yeah, Tony Arnerich yeah, yeah. are both listed so as Arnerich hitting coach. Is, if you listen Jared, to the, oh, DeHart is the director of hitting DeHart strategy. DeHart is the director of hitting strategy. And what's Arnerich? Is he like the swing? He is just hitting, yeah, hitting okay, coach. So if you listen to the wheelhouses, um, Depoto will always mention Arnerich as like the swing guy, the swing guru. Like he creates mm. the guy's bat paths for him. And I think DeHart is more of the guy who's like, oh, this pitcher throws X, Y, and Z, and these are your hot spots and these are your cold spots. He's more of like the hitting analytics guy. I could be getting this totally Yeah, like I could to be getting this for. totally wrong. But based on what Depoto says and how he alludes to these guys, I believe that's kind of their their defined roles. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it you hear about Trent Blank and and uh, the Mariners pitching machine a yeah. lot more than but you hear about their. But then machine. even with that, um, it's like who's the pitching coach? Is it Pete Woodworth or Trent Blank? Like we don't really know. Well, yeah, Trent Blank is the director of pitching strategy, and pitching oh, coach okay. is Pete Woodworth. But it seems like, but Pete Woodworth is the name that you associate with yeah. the position more. But I think that's because he's the guy right. that comes out to the mound, and it's not Trent Blank. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic there. But the other thing I, I found with the, with the the Braves as far as an ethos is jumping on pitches. This is something that the Braves have have been. Uh, they are full of aggressive hitters. In 2022, Atlanta had a 1.028 OPS on first pitches, which led baseball. This year, that OPS is 1.205, wow. which is that's, like that's would be the best in baseball. Yeah. 
Yes, on first pitches, and that is now third in baseball. So they're better than they were last year on first pay, first pitches, but not even the best in baseball. Um, and so that's that's something that I think in my little bit of research I was able to find is that a lot of those guys that we mentioned, Acuna, Acuna Albies, Riley, are aggressive. Matt Olson, aggressive. They are looking for fastballs early in the count because that's the your best chance of finding yeah, a fastball or something to hit is early in the count because because guys want to get ahead and of you counts. Know, um, which, which makes sense. I feel like when Julio was at his best, he was ambushing pitches. Like he was ambushing first pitch fastballs. Yes. Like that I, I don't have any data to back that up, but just watching when he was going really good last year, he was always ambushing the first pitch. Well, I'll I'll give you this. You know, we just talked about yeah. the Mariners' offense is much, or not much worse, but worse this year than last year. And Julio, so far this year, is is worse than last year. Last year, the Mariners were ninth in baseball in OPS on first pitches. This year, twenty mm. third. And I think you can point directly to Julio's success uh, in a lot of yeah. that that that's just a, that drop off because that's like you said. At his best, he's mashing early in counts, and it looks kind of bad sometimes when he's just swinging and flailing in a first pitch. But uh, there's there's logic to that when you play over yeah. a large sample. Yeah, I would agree. Like I can't count. I can't tell you how many times I remember he steps up to the plate last year, gets a first pitch, try and get me over fastball, and just crushes a double or a home run. You know, it it happened all yeah. the time. Exactly, and and I think there there is maybe some some. Uh, getting back to that that can happen with him because clearly that's what he was more comfortable with doing and and uh maybe 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 in the process of trying to make Julio into a perfect baseball cyborg we missed where he the was part already a damn good about baseball what makes cyborg. Him. <laughs> yes yeah. exactly exactly so um yeah so interesting with the Braves I I um I'll be I, I liked when the Mariners played them last year because they are you know, at that point in the season, the Mariners were, you know, stacking up there yeah. and that was a barometer for one of the best teams in baseball. Um, and it's a little less high stakes this time against uh, playing them in May instead of August, but uh, they are still damn scary. Well, you know, we, what we said, what did we say when we started with this road trip? Uh, it's six really tough games. Boston yeah. is not a joke. Yep. You know, they are a, they're a flawed team. Like their starting pitching is, is gross and, oh, and, so and their bullpen's pretty bad too. But like, boy, can those guys hit the ball? Um, so they're a flawed team. They're they're very good, but they are flawed. Atlanta is an extremely good team. Um, so this this six game swing is is pretty vital to see where we're at at this point in the season. Um, started off good yesterday. Today started bad, but now it's getting better. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see where we're at. I guess um, at the end of the six days, I think it's going to be very illuminating. Uh, yes, definitely. And the Braves are now playing the Rangers, who I think that the Braves absolutely destroyed the Rangers. Yeah, 12 nothing yesterday. But before that, they had gotten swept yeah. by those Blue Jays. So um, I think there's there's credence to what you're saying about the Blue Jays being one of the best teams in baseball. But uh, ultimately, a bunch of yes. cowards and frauds. Let's head down to the farm, which we haven't done for a little bit, to check in on some uh, some dudes. How are they doing? You're going to do three pitchers. I told you that one yes. of them had to be Walter Ford, so that you can update update everybody on the Vanilla Missiles progress this year, and then I will do three hitters. Um, so take it away. You can start with Walter. No, I'm not going to start with Walter. I'm going to start with um, okay. the guy who probably deserves the most attention, Emerson Hancock. Did you see mm, what he did in his okay. last outing? Yeah, uh, it was very good. good. I know but that. There's been a there's been a a, lo- a big knock on on poor Emerson lately, and that is he doesn't have the stuff to compete at the major league level. He has the control, but he doesn't have the stuff. And that and the people, the critics that have been saying that have been pointing to a pretty pedestrian strikeout rate um, in Double A. 
struck out 10 guys over, I think, five innings. Um, in his yeah, five, five and two five thirds and two innings, third. 10 strikeouts in his last outing. Uh, again, one outing. It's not definitive, but if Emerson can start posting good pay through nines like he did in his last outing, we might be able to dream on him a little bit more. Again, remember, this was the sixth overall pick in the draft to a team that is notoriously really good at developing pitching. There should be something there with Emerson. Yeah, good to hear. I um, Emerson is the forgotten guy. Like the Bryce Miller's here, and um, George Kirby's here. The only one of those highly drafted early round pitchers, other than Walter Ford, that hasn't hit yet is is Hancock. And so the fact that there's still positive signs from him is good uh, because if nothing else, uh, the Mariners might need some trade fodder, and uh, him being a, an appealing prospect is uh, is good news. Okay, can I go to number two? Um, okay. Brian Wu. So this is a name that we're going to start hearing a lot. Um, yep. Again, the 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 the, 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 the Wu train, train is is, uh, is 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 it's, yeah. It's I'm not going to give any stats or anything like that on Brian Wu because he he did go he did go seven perfect innings in his last. I think it was either his last outing or the outing before that, and he won uh, pitcher of the week. But I don't want to like give double A stats. I th- for Emerson it's important, but for this guy it's more about like what we're hearing on the ground level. Um, we are, I want to be clear. We're not like two sourced up podcasters or anything like that, but we do have some tangential tie to the organization that we don't really want to explain. Um, yes. Lou Pinella <laughs> is uh, my biological What daughter. we're hearing from, from <laughs> people around and in the organization. God, I feel like such a douche saying this. Like I, like this is like the most <laughs> Jason. <laughs> hey, if, if, if we ever have a live show, Phil will yeah. reveal his source. That's, yeah, that, that's but I promise. feel like such a douche. You know how like it's like you hear these podcasters who want to sound important and be like, "Yeah, my source is in the organization." Yeah, and you, yeah. Like you're full but of shit. we like I'm not even bullshitting. Like we do have like a legitimate person within the organization that talks to us. Um, how much he knows is questionable. Honestly, I I don't think. Yeah. Okay, so t- talks to us is is a pejorative here. This is like uh, in the latest Succession when um, Jared Mankin won't talk to Kendall, but he'll talk to Roman. <laughs> like that. This is this is this is what's going on. F- Phil is the whisperer. Here. Yeah, only be. because of my job, literally. But yes. we're hearing about Brian Wu that um, where he at is at in his development now. Compared, and I don't know what the exact analytics they use to evaluate these guys are. But where he at is at in his stage compared to where George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, and Bryce Miller were at the exact same stage. Um, and they don't use age as their stages. They use innings pitch. They use pitches thrown. They use those because that's what's more indicative of, of, of their development going forward. Where he is at, according to this person, is far and away better than any of those three guys at this stage. That's uh, yeah, good enough I know. for me, and man. Like, I wish that... I could say who it was, but I'm just not going to go there because um, maybe that person yep. listens. I don't know. Maybe not. So we're going to protect yeah. the source. That would be something. Yeah, that's um, it's 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 very tantalizing to to hear that um, about Brian Wu, and, and we've heard that from from other places, but uh, or you know, not just not just from this source. Uh, kind of whispers, Ryan Divish being one of them. I think he has not. He has made it very known that he's a huge fan and optimist about Brian Wu. Um, and so the fact that he's just mowing down competition. Yeah, is, and is uh, just last note on that. 
is 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 he is he untouchable? He, he's getting into right that move? camp. It sounds like it. It really does sound like he's in that. Like I'm going to, and I don't know why he's not popping up on like top hundred lists yet. But my my gut assumption is if he does ever top pop on on one of those, he's going to start flying up the board. Um, but he might just be one of those guys who never does because he gets called up like within mid season this year, and everyone's like, "Where the hell did this guy come from?" But really, kind of everyone in the organization knew all along he was he was the real guy. Um, but again, this is another kid from a small school. He went to Cal Poly, I think, or somewhere there. And yeah. I think he was like a seventh round pick. And again, the Mariners just making another big time player. Yeah. And uh, did, did you think Brandon Williamson was untouchable? I did, before but I also think Brandon Williamson, I heard he just got called up to the Reds. He did. Do you know where where his uh, his opening day no, his first start is going to be? Oh, course, good. He's going to get shelled. They ruined him. <laughs> I think he would have been a great pitcher for the Mariners. Yeah, It did seem like that was going to happen. Uh, all right. Tell us about the, the vanilla missile. I, I think he's fine. I mean, he's in the he's in the complex league, so you don't really get much video. You know, I here's a good uh, Twitter follow for anyone who listens. Follow Mariners Miners. This guy or girl. I don't know if it's a guy or yeah. a girl who runs the account. But this person. Yeah. Hero. hero absolutely posts hero. clips posts batting lines posts starting lines for all the pitchers every single night from every single level so you get like a real good sense of where we are as an organization at least performance wise where they don't post like metrics like this person hit the ball 115 miles an hour or anything like that but that's fine because i don't think they have even stat cast in those in those parks um but yeah unfortunately walter's in the complex league so I, we're not seeing a ton of like hardcore statistics from him so I, i'm assuming he's doing great enjoying arizona enjoying the sun and all of that and i hope he does i hope he moves up soon but and i hope his merch sales are this is are this is fantastic. also very typical of a high school pitcher especially one that's as raw as him third round high school pitcher like uh, the mariners picked up another one of these kids named ashton izzy um uh, he's doing mm-hmm. the same deal yeah yep we shall see. Uh, okay, well, um, that's that's your beat. Yes. You're, you're on the Walter Ford beat for me. It's, it's that I, I don't have to spend too much time thinking about him, but I'll give you three hitters. Uh, first of all, Jonathan Klasse yes, that's is an interesting history. one. He's yeah. about to turn 21. Yes, he's a former international signing out of the DR in 2018. The uh, what What's Jonathan Klasse's His carrying speed. trait, Phil? Speed. He is an 80-grade speed guy on fan graphs. Like, that's like, that's cream of the crop, top. That's as Billy fast Hamilton. as it gets yeah. from a, from a scouting. Yeah. That's Billy Hamilton. Yes, but power, as you can imagine, has been the uh, the thing that people are are um, you know wanting for with that to see if it if he can drive the ball. This year, he already has eight home runs across high A and double A compared to thirteen all of last year. Thirteen um, is not nothing to shake the stick at, but uh, eight so far this year is is great news for for Class A. Like if if this is a you know. 10, 15 home run guy in the majors on top of that speed. That's, that's a yes, very, totally. very and the speed also provides us a pretty good floor, you know, like at the very least, if he can hit a lick, mm-hmm. he's always going to be like a Billy Hamilton, essentially. Right. Like come in at, in the playoffs yeah. and steal a base for us. Right. Like he's going to be that type of guy at the very worst. He'll, it provides yeah. him a pretty safe floor. Yes. Yeah. So Jonathan Colossae doing well, Tyler Lockley. I'm is interested my, to my hear about one here. Uh, he is, yeah, second round pick last year out of VCU. He is uh, a, a big, just yeah. beefy first baseman, like just arch- archetype all the way there. Pete Alonso is the best case comp here, just a power hitting right handed first baseman. 
he crushed a ball last year. Um, this year, he already has six home runs in Everett, um, running an identical strikeout rate to last year, which was, I think, roughly That's like good. 20% That's really or something. That's really good for like a uh, but has, has Yeah. Definitely, but has doubled his walk rate in the process of it. So he is um, kind of flatlined with, with his strikeouts, but it's starting to take more pitches, and the power is still there. So Tyler Locklear, even though he's a, he's a college kid, I mean, you know, it's not like um, – like, you know, there's not crazy, crazy upside with this, but the idea of just a consistent, you know, uh, get on base and hit for power first baseman. Is, yeah, I remember uh, being somewhat perplexed there. by that pick because it's like, ooh, that's kind of a low upside pick. You know, it's like a uh, big, big bulky first baseman. It kind of really caps out what their value is going to be. But in a way, you can almost like get... Uh, it could be a value pick because, like, hey, is everyone sleeping on one of the best bats in the draft just because he's kind of a big, bulky first baseman? You know, so it's going to be mm-hmm. really interesting to see what his development looks like going forward. Yeah, and I mean, if we if we picked over players like that, then you probably miss on uh, yep. Ty France. Yep. You know, it's like this this the the the, the body shape or the athleticism. And why do you in, think in Ty France was a thirty fourth round issue. pick? You know, it's like, ooh, this guy's got a kind of a big body. He's bulky. I'm not sure he's going to stick at second base. I don't think there's yeah doesn't, yeah doesn't have a position yeah yeah that's that's one that uh again talking about divish here divish had hinted at is that he, the ty france got some bad advice and that's why he left for the draft as when he did out of san diego state and yeah. i would love to hear that story like what was the what was the bad advice like you know what playing out the future had he come back to because he this is yeah like I, I don't know if that's bad advice so like dude like, what and and we've talked about this in the past <laughs> Um, college seniors have no no leverage in the draft because it's either you take what we offer you or you are not playing professional baseball. Yeah, or you go <laughs> sell insurance. If yeah. you're a junior, you have leverage. You can say, you know what, screw that. I'm going back for my senior year. But a high, uh, college senior has no leverage. Yeah. 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 Very interesting untold story there. Maybe Corey Brock, San Diego negative native would do that. Last one, Cole Young. I didn't stray too far from the Mariners high round picks here. He was the first round pick of the Mariners last year. He is 19 years old. Um, he is, he's in the, uh, the California a league in Modesto right now. He is 11th in the league in walk rate. Again, as a 19 year old, all 10 guys ahead of him are at least seven months older than he is. If not much older than he is, he has a WRC plus of 145, which would be sixth, sixth in that league, despite not homering yet. Um, so the power, like we may have yes. the Pittsburgh JT yes. Crawford on our list right on, right now. Like he, he is, he just has that profile. Um, he is now 70th in on DMLB's top 100 prospects list up from 95th at last check-in. Um, so he is starting to, to turn heads and doing basically exactly what he's supposed to. Except Not to toot our own horn, horns too much, but remember when we drafted him and everyone was like, oh, Adam Frazier. And we were like, no, it's not Adam Frazier just because he's a white second baseman with no power. And we actually both said, like, this reminds me more of like a J.P. Crawford type. And sure enough, that's kind of what he's developing into with the with that elite eye. You know, pretty, pretty poor power, to be quite honest, if if that's where he if that's where he settles. But a damn valuable player, you know, a damn valuable player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, it's it's nice and, and necessary to have hitting prospects like Locklear and Young and Classe, given that the Mariners traded Noel Marte and Edwin Arroyo, who are currently uh, 23rd and 35th, respectively, in uh, in MLB's top 100, and are both kind of struggling this year, to be honest with you. Um, so whatever, but again, the Reds. Whatever happened Reds to have, like Zach Deloach? And like, is Cade Marlowe going to get a shot this year? Like, there are some guys in the upper minors that are. Yeah kind of interesting still that I, I i wish we would see more of it's just like we don't really have the space for him right now 
Yeah. yeah, Brian O'Keefe, right? I mean, he seems seems to be an interesting yeah. prospect as a as a catcher. Obviously, not a position of need for the Mariners. So, um, yeah, it, some interesting flotsam in in the organization right now, um, which is ultimately a good thing because as we've talked about many times, like you don't you can't live off of like having yeah. one shiny have, prospect you all have times. You need like you need apple. a squad. Yeah. Yes, yes, because uh, AJ Preller has shown you how to take many unsuccessful bites of the, of the apple, but um, still have enough to to compete. So, um, yeah, good stuff on the farm. That was uh, that was a robust podcast. I and mean, as we uh, we head into the sunset on it, let's take out our bikes, put the helmets on, and ride out of T-Mobile Park. Uh, who are you bestowing the Eric Burns bike ride? Of Justin week Turner upon this week. Okay. okay. I, every yeah. time I look oh. at this guy, I was like, why haven't you been a Red Sox for your whole career? He's just like the most prototypical, <laughs> annoying Red Sox player. I just, I, I dislike that franchise. I don't know why. I actually just really have a, a big disdain for, for that franchise. It's just like, they have all these, like, he reminds me of like Kevin Euclid and Johnny Damon and like all these guys that I just grew up hating. And I don't know why I don't like them so much, uh, but I would venture to say, I dislike the Red Sox on par with the Yankees. Yeah. So he's like a symbol to me uh, of like the Red Sox. He's like this version of the Red Sox. Oh, even Trevor Story kind of looks like the same. Like they just have all these guys that are just like. Ver- Verdugo yeah. is super grimy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you know who would be a good Red Sox? Rafael Devers is constantly covered you know who in tobacco. Be on the Red Sox? Yeah, it's, they're, they're... Brandon Marsh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just soggy. Yeah, uh, he, the Philly the Phillies have have embraced a lot of the the red the, the Red Sox uh, aesthetic and ethos. Um, like you know, so I yeah, was watching he, yesterday. He's, um, he's Justin Turner place. has this huge fucking like streak of pine tar on his like. Have you seen that on his shoulder? He always has it. Yeah, it's just that's the most yeah. Red Sox thing I've ever seen. I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> he's from Long Beach. Like yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. I thought he was from from like, yeah he know, feels Ohio like a gritty guy but no yeah uh my bike ride goes to me the hypocrite for uh i had talked before about how we shouldn't tweet at airlines and then i did a thing where i tweeted at riverside the the company who does the um wait but that helped hosts us. our podcast or who is it where it did help us but i didn't want to be the guy who tweeted at airlines and then i was tweeting at the uh the company who at one point had lost our podcast from last week uh, but it has been found so my bad riverside thank you yeah for and thank you for finding service. our lost episode <laughs> yeah it shouldn't have been a problem in the first place so jason uh, Hi, Joe, what do you got thank nice. you Th- okay yeah because cal, yeah, I cal think raleigh we need has to, dethroned like, can him. you mention what cal raleigh did yesterday yeah, Cal Raleigh hit a home run from both sides of the plate um, in in Fenway, which he had become the first catcher to ever do that in. Uh, so in thank you, Jason. History. And you know, you'd think like, oh, that's an interesting stat, but it's not super like, it's not like super weird or rare or anything until you remember Jason Veritek, who was there for what fifteen years, was a switch hitter. How did he never do that? So thank you, Jason, for allowing Cal Raleigh to have that moment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very cool. And Cal Raleigh's, uh, I believe, grandmother who lives in Vermont was able to attend the game last night, which is super cool. Um, love when that happens and Cal Raleigh continues to rock. I've got two this week. Uh, Dieter Rule. You probably don't know who this is. He's the organist no, for the Dodgers. Last night after the Dodgers played the um, uh, Minnesota Twins or during the game against the Twins, I should say, Carlos Correa struck out again. Okay. Is, 
in LA. Dodger, yes. Dodgers hate Carlos Correa. What song do you think Dita Rule, organist for the Dodgers, mm, played? Something about like I don't know, was something cheating or I don't know. Tell me. It's it. Oh, I saw yes. the sign. Okay, by Ace very Vince. good. <laughs> hey, did, beautiful, speaking of which, did you work. see there is some speculation about Aaron Judge circulating right now? Yeah, that was that was I I, I don't. I don't know why any sign stealing or whatever would happen where you would well look because away from maybe the somebody belt. was signaling it to him like hey a fastball's coming and he was like trying to like someone in the dugout he was like glaring over there to like see like hey what are they throwing like you know yeah it's it's certainly possible but um, yeah that was uh, I mean I'm I'm totally down with the Yankees being on on yeah. on trial for st- for cheating yeah. like that sounds I mean what fun. they like hack the pitch com or something I don't know how that would work. Yeah. If anybody, yeah, I mean, yeah, using Apple yeah. Watches five years ago, it's not 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 too weird. Uh, my last one yeah, goes to James Paxton, one. though, uh, even though he is a, a member of the Red Sox, because he has been through everything his body could possibly put him through, um, and still continues to come back. He struck out nine over five innings in his first game back last week, and uh, that's God. If he could just put together one, yeah. it's not even going to be a full season because we're already mid-May here. But if he could just play the rest of the season um, and play well, that would be awesome for James Paxton because when he's on, that yeah, dude is we love so James. Fun to watch. Like he's his body's been through hell and back. I'm between the arm issues and the back issues and the everything issues. We just want one good one good last go of it for him. In, this is actually in a, a prototype version of roughly a podcast, but the one of the only emergency pods we ever did was responding to uh, yes. James Paxton's no hitter yes. in 2018, 19, um, not 19, 18. So, yeah, he's a uh, he's a dude, and you know, yes. an eagle landed on this guy. Like, he, like the weirdest shit in the world has ever has happened to James Paxton. He deserves he deserves a nice thing. All right.